0: this is who makes a podcast conversations with your favorite podcast hosts about who they are the shows they make and why they make them i'm your host chris cookley and my guest today is brandon hall brandon has been an emergency 911 dispatcher with the metro nashville department of emergency communications for the last 20 years He's been the calm voice at the end of hundreds of thousands of 911 calls, including for some nationally recognized events such as the Nashville Christmas Day bombing in 2020, the Nashville 2010 flood and numerous active shooters. He is also the mind and the voice behind Music City 911, a true crime podcast where he uses his vast experience to talk listeners through the ins and outs of real 911 calls in an entertaining and informative manner. Brandon was a fantastic guest. He has a wealth of knowledge not only around the 911 system and how that works and how he's able to obtain those audio files and use them to make a compelling podcast, But also on podcasting in general. He is really taking his craft seriously and it's paying off. On this episode, we talk about how Brandon became a 911 dispatcher and what that job is like, judging where you are creatively now versus where you were a year ago, finding material for your podcast, asking your audience for ratings and reviews, monetization and diversification of monetization streams, and quite literally the cheapest microphone that you have ever heard of I cannot believe he's actually using this microphone but it sounds great so maybe stick around to the end to find out what that is Uh, for the full show notes and links to everything we talk about in this episode go to whomakesapodcast.com slash e24 and to find Brandon online you can visit musiccity911.com and now here is my conversation with Brandon Hall Brandon, welcome to Who Makes a Podcast.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on.
0: I think this is going to be fun. You have a really interesting podcast, and and I haven't had a true crime podcast guest on the show yet, but your, your podcast is a little bit different than the true crime podcast that people normally think of when they think of like a, a serial or a criminal. You are a... 911 dispatcher, you have been for 20 years, and your podcast is all about playing 911 audio and talking people through that. How did you get into the 911 dispatching system like 20 years ago? How did you pick that as a career? Yeah,
1: it was actually uh, 22 years ago. Um, but when I got in, I had the, my last job, believe it or not, I was working at a tuxedo store, and, and uh, actually, it did tuxedos and costumes. Uh, in the same store. I'm not sure how they came up with that combo, but (laughs) like Halloween costumes. Yeah. Just costumes in general. Sometimes middle of the year, some people would like to come and rent costumes, you know, something that'd be more expensive to buy and they would rent it for a couple of days and then come bring it back. But, um, with that, I was, uh, I had a trip to Scotland scheduled and, I'm wanting to say maybe a week before the people that I work for said, I'm sorry, we just, you know, somebody just quit. We can't let you have this time off that you requested, you know? And I was like, okay, well, this is a pretty low paying job. And I was like, oh, I'll just quit and then go on my trip and, you know, have fun and do that. And I'll come back yeah. and look for a job. And when I came back, my, my dad, he actually is, well, he was a uh, sheriff's deputy working the jails uh, in Nashville and, there for a while he um he was the safety coordinator as well for the sheriff's department and he says well i I talked with a friend of mine who is in human resources and they had a job opening and i think you might actually have the right temperament for the job and i said okay i'll give it a shot and within probably two or three weeks i think i was in training and it just sort of took off from there and it's he was right i've got the right temperament for it i I suppose
0: i imagine that a particular temperament would be needed. Uh, it, as somebody who's not in that world at all, you know, listening to the 911 calls that you play on your podcast, it feels like a, a really high stress, high adrenaline kind of environment. Do you do you still feel those things or have you kind of reached
1: a level now where it's, you know, you're kind of unfazable? Yeah, it's been years uh, that I've actually had any type of real big emotions i mean obviously when you have a more of a hot call that you're taking or if there's a something going on on the the dispatch radio end of it you can get a little bit hyped up and a little bit more excited but for the most part i've pretty much dealt with anything you can think of now i say that and just like you said with the christmas day bombing i thought i had dealt with everything until that happened and that was the first for me so i mean there's always something new that can possibly happen did you have that as an episode on your podcast by chance? I did. I actually made a yeah. three part of that once they started releasing more info. I obviously had some more intimate knowledge of what happened and everything, but a lot of that hadn't been released to the public yet. And as they released it, I could more slowly get some of the information out on my end. Yeah, I remember that, you know,
0: waking up Christmas morning and I found out about it like way later than. I think most people in Nashville found out about it. I think it was like two or three in the afternoon before I heard anything about it. Christmas Day, we just kind of woke up and just didn't turn any phones on, no TVs on. We just didn't get any of the news. But that was a uh, a pretty crazy incident. So for people who don't know, there was somebody who parked an RV down on 2nd Avenue, I think, which is, it's right downtown Nashville. There's like a Broadway and and 2nd kind of make a T down there. And that's where all the honky tonks and and the bars and everything are. And he, he parked an RV kind of down in that main area. And at some point it, it blew up. I I don't think anybody died
1: except him, right? Yeah, that's right. He was the only one that died. He, he went through, he was pretty meticulous in his planning, trying to make sure that anyone else didn't die. He had a message playing to say, get away from the, the RV that it was going to explode. He gave a, A timer that was playing over his loudspeakers so it was a countdown and it went off right when it was supposed to
0: that is not a a typical sort of bombing situation
1: usually they're a element of surprise and and do as much damage as you possibly can exactly he picked the exact right time to minimize any external casualties on that because christmas morning in nashville especially here recently because most people are not from here so they leave out of the city to go and see their families or whatever and he knew that at that time of morning it would be probably the least busy and there was hardly anybody out on the streets at all yeah uh, pretty
0: insane situation all right so you are a 911 is it dispatcher is that what you is that the the title
1: yeah well the the title is uh, emergency telecommunicator but yeah dispatcher works <laughs> okay
0: <laughs> yeah so you're doing that as your day job eight-hour shifts, and then you come home and and you're making a podcast about it. I I mean, in some sense, it makes sense, right? Because you have all of this firsthand experience. You know exactly what you're talking about when you're playing these tapes. Do you ever feel like, like, can I get away from this stuff? Or is it, is like the, the podcast something that you really
1: enjoy doing still? Oh yeah. I still enjoy doing it with the podcast. It's a little bit different. I'm not the one who took the calls. I can listen to the calls and kind of pick them apart. Like i you know, as if I was maybe taking the call, if I was going to do something different, if you know, they were doing a good job, bad job, and then I can actually do something I can't usually do at my job and look further into what actually happened and find out sort of a little bit of a resolution with it. Cause most of the time when I'm at work, we never find out what happens afterwards. Does that gnaw at you at all? Or, or have you kind
0: of learned to kind of let that stuff go? If, if I got a call, somebody who's like being carjacked or something, and then, you know, the police handled it, or you you let somebody know that it was going on, and you're on to the next call. I, I feel like I would be sitting there, like, "What happened? What happened?"
1: Yeah, there's a little element of that while you're still there at work, but once I leave, I try to turn everything off. Yeah, uh, I was interviewed on another show just a, I guess it was about a month ago, and they were asking about the same thing, and the inc- the uh, incident that I was kind of referencing uh, came. I think maybe a day or two before that or a few couple weeks or something. But anyway, I was, um, at work, it was the very end of the day. Some guy calls in and says that his brother is suicidal. He's locked himself in the bedroom and he has a machete to his chest and he's threatening to stab himself with it. So I get all the info I need. I start the police out there and that was my last call today. So when that happened and uh, my position got relieved, I just got up and left and I didn't really have another thought about it until I was questioning about it and I said, Oh, that actually kinda fits. So Yeah. Wow.
0: Well I guess after, you know, twenty two years and, and as you said, hundreds of thousands of calls, probably can't uh follow up on all of them. There's not enough time in the world for that.
1: Oh no, no. In in a single day I might process between me taking the call or me on the dispatch end of it, doing the radio end of it. I, I might do, you know, 200, 200 plus calls a day. So there'd be wow. no way for me to do that. Yeah. So you decided to take this experience that you have and make
0: it into a podcast. Why, why did you start your podcast? What was the, the idea behind
1: creating music city 911? Well, I had a few people that had suggested and like, Oh, it'd be pretty cool if you wrote a book or something. And that wasn't really my thing. I mean, i I've done some little short story writing, and uh, I was—I've been really into movies for a long time. And a, a while back, I did some short movie type scripts that I wrote, but a book never really jumped out at me. and It's a big ordeal, yeah. Really, it is. And um, just kind of my love of audio and stuff like that—that that kind of helped me out. And um, I had a couple friends that had done some small stuff before, um, just in the kind of podcast ish type world and they mentioned saying oh you've got a really good voice you should do that and i've never ever thought my voice was good at all i'm just it's it's
0: definitely like that that standard deep maybe not standard because you got there's like a little a, a gruff edge to it a little bit that i think lends itself really well to the the genre that you've chosen but you definitely have that deep sort of calming radio voice
1: i would say for sure yeah I, I, apparently so people have told me and i've just never heard it myself so but yeah i mean i think all that kind of added up and at first um you know me and, and i was trying to figure out a, a kind of angle to it and i had no knowledge of podcasting at all um before that i probably barely even listened to a podcast so i had to teach myself every bit of it i had some knowledge of recording just from the acoustic properties and stuff like that. So I've learned that a little bit more as I went along and got a little bit better at it. And my, I think my episodes, they've kind of grown too. So it's, it's worked out.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds really good. It sounds like you definitely do know what you're doing. And I I listened back to the very first episode and even that one sounded good. So Oh,
1: I, it's one of the things that uh, the older episodes, I think they sound horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's more critical of their their own stuff, I guess. Yeah, I actually read something just the other day. And uh, for any you know budding podcasters that are listening, this is something I think that is actually very good, very valid. I can't remember where the article was that I was listening, that I was watching or, or reading somewhere. But it said that anything that you did a year ago you should be embarrassed by. And then the same thing goes from a year from now. You should look back at what you're doing right now and still be embarrassed by it. That way, you know, you're always improving.
0: Yeah. And that's good advice. Hopefully in that advice, they also said that you should be happy with what you're doing currently.
1: Yeah. I might be a little bit overly critical of my own stuff. So, (laughs) but I mean, that's, that's a good thing too, though.
0: You know, well, there's definitely I think something to be said for striving for for doing better than what you have. I, I think it's Ira Glass that maybe he didn't come up with this, but I definitely have heard him talk about the uh, the creative gap. Maybe where you 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 know what it is that you're trying to do, and you know what good sounds like, and you either don't have the experience or the knowledge to make something that sounds that good, and there's that there's that creative gap where you know what you want to make and what you can make are not the same. And there's, there's just tension there and it's always good to be striving towards,
1: you know, getting towards what you want to make. Yeah. And with, with me, one of the things, and I guess most of it just kind of hinges around the whole voice part of it, because that is the majority of podcasting is that I've got some pretty good headphones that I use and they're centered around vocals. They're more of a kind of a, Upper bass and mid-range focused headphone, mm-hmm. and they sound really, really, really good in that range. So, what are those? Uh, I use the uh, Sennheiser. It's uh, they did a kind of a collab with Drop. It's the six okay. XX ones, yeah. And um, I think it's modeled after the six fifties, but and they've dropped the price on the six fifty. It's essentially the same headphone with a little bit of a different color, and but they're very comfortable. I can wear them for hours. They sound really good. They are open back, so there's a slight chance you can get a little bit of feedback, but I've yep. I've got some very sensitive microphones, and I've never had a problem with it. But, yeah, with that, uh, the whole point of that was is that they sound like what I hear in my headphones. I always want to try to get that with my, my show, and I'm not quite there. I'm not sure if I need to actually downgrade okay. my headphones to, I guess, make my voice sound fuller in the actual podcast recording itself to you know so i can actually match what i'm hearing in my headphones.
0: Okay. That's interesting. So it sounds better in your headphones like as you're just speaking into the microphone than it does on the recording?
1: Yes. I mean it's not like a okay. huge jump or anything, yeah. but there's you can definitely tell a difference. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um I don't have any advice for you there. Hopefully you get that hopefully you get that sorted out.
1: Yeah, uh, my only two things that I'm uh thinking about doing, I, I do have way too many headphones here and some of them are just not good at all i mean they're there for you know if i ever have guests over or something i just you know yep. hand them some of those but i, I think i want to try to find something that is more of a studio type headphone that is neutral um, that you're, you're going to get what you're recording out of it that's and then if i can tweak my sound around enough to to get it from that i think that'll probably help and i'm also looking at a kind of a more professional compressor and it's got a few different things on there. Some
0: outboard gear. Yeah. Okay. Which
1: I've got that now a little bit with, I've got a little bit of EQ on my mixer that I use. So that's, that helps some too. Hey, it's Chris. Can I jump in here for a minute and
0: ask if you have thought about making your own podcast? If you have, you may have realized there's a lot more that goes into it than you might've thought. Don't worry. I have a gift for you. I want you to have my Podcast Quick Start Checklist. From what microphone and recording software you should use to how you host and distribute your show, I'm here to help with all of that and more. My Podcast Quick Start Checklist will walk you through everything you need to know to start your podcast. I'll show you what's actually important. To get my Podcast Quick Start Checklist, go to who makes a podcast.com/start and tell me where to send it. Now let's get back to the episode. So I just got as far as headphones go, I got the Rode NTH100s. They're a a relatively new headphone and I I love them. Yeah. Good review from me. They're super comfortable, can wear them all day. I think they sound good, but I'm not not a huge audiophile.
1: So, you know, take it or leave it. But I, I like these, I like these headphones. Yeah. I've saw a lot of reviews on those and, um, everybody says they're uh, pretty good. I've actually been tempted to buy them just to try them out. And also on top of that, the, uh, you know, one of the things they said about comfort something about they have like a cooling gel in the ear pads. Yeah. So yeah, that's really good.
0: It's, it's the craziest thing. You put them on and it literally feels cool around
1: your ear, which is awesome for over ear closed back headphones. Yeah. I, I think I'll probably will buy some of those at some point just to give them a shot and see what happens. Yeah, definitely check it out.
0: All right. So you said that you you don't listen or you didn't listen to podcasts. Do you listen to many podcasts
1: now? I do. Well, in, in my time that I can listen, uh, and that's usually driving to or from work. And you yeah. know, so I get about a half hour that way, each way. But yeah, I'll, I'll do a, a little mix. I'll, you know, listen to a few different podcasts, some that I like, you know, just out of entertainment, some that are for knowledge. And sometimes I'll throw on a different podcast just to see, you know, like something in the, the genre, see if they, yeah, you know, are doing something really cool and like, Oh, I could do something like that or not necessarily copying, but, you know, have my own spin on something that's good. What are a couple of your go-tos? What are you turning on most frequently? Uh, on my way into work, it's really a, a big mix. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the comedian Mark Maron. He has a podcast yep. called WTF. Uh, yeah. WTF. I listen to his on certain episodes. Um, just if I know the, the guest and uh, let's see, I do listen to, I mean, this is a probably a big faux pas, but I do listen to Joe Rogan sometimes, obviously with uh, some of his guests, the same type of thing.
0: Hey, you and like 50 million other people.
1: Yeah, exactly. I. But see, the, the thing is, is that with all the people who listen, to his show i'm not sure I, I don't know if they're all doing it or not when i listen i listen to 10 15 minutes of it that's really all i can do you know with the time i have going to work sometimes i'll do the whole yeah. thing but
0: all well, those episodes are like three hours long exactly. I, don't, I don't know many people that can listen to if you're listening i'm going to say this right now if you're listening to every minute of every episode of joe rogan you need to find
1: something else to do with your life. Exactly. He has They're,
0: so much content.
1: Yeah. And he's got, I don't know, something like what, 2000 episodes now. And, and each one insane. of them have been like two or three hours long. I mean, that's way too much time. Yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. I'm actually just looking through my podcast app here. I was on bus, uh, bus sprout for a while as, for my host and uh, they've got a decent learning podcast, you know, just giving out different information. So if I see a topic, I've heard there, about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. Um, one of our local guys, David Hooper, he does a podcast called Build a Big Podcast. Uh, he always has some good information on that. Same thing with uh, Dave Jackson. He has a show called School of Podcasting. And, you know, of course, uh, Scott Johnson uh, with yep. What Was That Like? I, I listened to your episode with him uh, today. little what I could, obviously. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, his stories are amazing. Uh, I mean, there's really just too many to list and, you know, kind of on – back in my genre i'll listen to um actually there's a one out of uh it's uh, kind of new zealand australia based it's uh, world's dumbest criminals it's more of a comedy crime show and it's it's absolutely hilarious so I'll, I'll listen to that just to get a laugh or two awesome do you have any like uh
0: any podcast host or radio host even that you kind of look up to
1: Oh no, I've, I've got several I've looked up to and uh, do and, and did. I mean I've uh, in contact with a lot of mostly these people are the, the more true crime because we have kind of a community, I guess, and we'll chat with each other. We'll you know even get on the phone and, and talk sometimes. Uh, you know, I've been talking a lot here lately with Bob Mata. He's uh, the host of Defense Diaries and just a super good cool guy. I've met him a couple times and we're doing a true crime live show in Atlanta. Awesome. He's one. Then, you know, just several others. You know, I, I've made really good friends with some of them that it's go gone beyond just podcasting. We keep up with each other's lives and stuff like uh, Chantel from Lady Justice True Crime. She's in England. Never met her before in person, but I can tell she's one of the best people in the world. I mean, she's really, really cool. Yeah, just a ton of people like that.
0: The, the podcasting community is, is fantastic. People seem to be so welcoming and, and inviting to other podcast hosts and everybody's just having you know a great time making these shows. Oh, yeah. That's that's, that's
1: great. Uh, we could sit here all night just talking about other podcast hosts because there's too many to <laughs> list. I, I yeah, could go yeah. on and on with that. So speaking of
0: podcast hosts, the very I, I said I listened to the very first episode of your podcast. You had a co-host back then, Rick. Yes. Uh, what happened to to Rick? I didn't listen to your whole back catalog, so I'm sure that you covered this at some point. But you know, as somebody who's just discovering your podcast, where's where's the co-host?
1: When we started the whole podcast thing, it was you know my thing, and I was trying to find. I was like, oh, maybe I'll try to find a co-host because I didn't really know what angle I wanted to do with the show itself, and. Me and him had been friends, and uh, we'd worked together for, you know, over at the time, about 20 years or a little bit less than that. Actually, now I'm thinking about it, but between him and me, we had close to 60 years worth of experience because he had just retired with 40 years in, and, you know, he, he loved talking just like me, and we both had stories, and we were like, okay, well, this this seems like a good fit, and, you know, that all worked out, but he was retired, and he's, you know, in his 60s and the whole demand of doing a weekly episode got to be a little bit too much. He just he wanted to be retired. That's all it was. Yeah. No, I I get that. Yeah. So we're we're still, you know, still good friends. We still hang out quite often. So there's no hard feelings at all between either one of us. It's just he wanted to be fully retired, and I don't blame it all for that.
0: Did he ever come back and do like a special guest appearance?
1: Yeah. He's uh, he's come back over and I think I did a 9/11 episode and he read a, a couple parts for it and. You know, you never know. He might just pop back by at some point and jump in. Cool.
0: I want to get into your podcast a little bit, you know, how, how you make it, how you uh, find your content. So, you know, on your podcast, it, it's 911 calls, audio from actual 911 calls. Sometimes there's audio from body cam video of, of, you know, police officers as they're interacting with people. How are you... Finding these calls to like how do you how do you know what calls to feature? How do you find those? And then how do you go about getting the access to that audio footage
1: or that audio file? Or well, see for for my show, a lot of true crime shows they will find a case that they want and they'll research it. And you know, if they can get a nine one one call, good. If not, it's not a big deal. Uh, They've got a lot of other information. They'll they'll go on it. I actually don't do it that way. I start with a 911 call. I will look for calls that have been released publicly first. And, you know, sometimes I'll have a kind of a theme in mind, I guess, uh, for the show. And I will go out searching for calls like that. Something that will meet the, the episode theme that I'm looking for. And if there is something that's more of a new or a hot topic type thing, I'll see about it if, if the call itself hasn't been released, I'll have to go through that agency and try to get a 911 call from them. I'll have to request it just like anybody else from any type of media source and, and get it that way. Sometimes I'll get the call. Sometimes they they won't release it.
0: So when you say you're searching for it, like, is there a, a database somewhere online that you could just find publicly available 911 calls or like, how are you going about actually looking for oh,
1: them? I'd love if there was a database somehow with that, <laughs> there's no, but no, there's nothing like that. I'll I'll search for a lot of different things. Sometimes a, a new station will release something. Sometimes a you know something will be released and put on YouTube or SoundCloud. There's a, a thousand different resources that you can get these calls, but uh, you know there's no one centralized database. I'd love it if there was, though. it would make it so much easier.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like you have to do so much research to make an episode, trying to find these things.
1: It's kind of hard to say that. Uh, how much I put into each episode, but even when I'm doing, you know, like my last episode was probably a little bit over 30 minutes long, something like that. And the research done with that, it was not nearly as heavy as some of the other ones, but you know, in, in any given episode, that's a half hour, 45 minutes long, I wouldn't be surprised a bit if I'm doing research, looking into the actual calls, the details behind them, all that stuff for, I mean, 10 to 20 hours sometimes i mean the uh, wow. yeah it a half hour episode start to finish and that's just the research part of it yeah yeah i mean from start to finish uh, recording editing research all that i'd say at the very minimum 10 hours at you know average probably around 20 and some of the longer episodes much longer than that i mean i really i'd say 20 to 30 hours per week i'm doing something with this show yeah, that's almost a full time job yeah, exactly.
0: You must uh, you must really love your podcast. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds it sounds great, so it's definitely paying off. Boy, it, it's really too bad there's no database for that
1: stuff. Oh, yeah. It, like I said, it, it would make everything just so much easier to, you know, or made, they made some sort of a government type of mandate that said, you know, if you release a 911 call or any 911 call, it's going to get put there, period. That would be very good, but no, it's not going to happen.
0: Do you think about? I'm wondering how you think about, or if you think about privacy when you're finding calls to feature or finding stories to feature.
1: Uh, privacy and, and exactly how, like uh, on which end, I guess is a good way to put it.
0: Uh, like of the of the people who are uh, involved in the incidents or on the on the phone calls or anything like that. I'm not familiar with the true crime thing, so I don't know like if, if the stuff's been released to the public, like it's just fair game, or if people, you know, do people get upset if uh, if their if their stuff is
1: used and they don't know about it? No, it is once it's uh, released publicly like that. That's just it. It's kind of like you said, fair game. Uh, it's just as if um, you know a news outlet if they acquire a 911 call and technically all 911 calls are supposed to be public record because you're calling for a, a public service, a a taxed service that the government is providing for you. So it should be public record. That's, that's what it is. But different States and jurisdictions have made laws that sometimes they won't release a 911 call at all. Sometimes they'll only release pieces of it or they'll redact some pieces of it. But as far as once it gets released to the public, it's just like if a, a news station was to get it and they play a portion of it on their, you know, seven o'clock news or whatever, they're just going to play it out. And it's kind of the same way. It's just that my show will go in a little bit more detail about it. And, you know, there's something to be said too. the whole being respectful for victims and things of that nature. I'm not generally a comedy podcast at all. I might bring in a little bit of yep. something. If there's a, let's say a stupid 911 call that I play, which I've played a few of those on the show, but, for the most part, I'm just as serious as if I was at work. There was an episode
0: that I listened to. I hate to keep hounding the, how do you find the call stuff? But for some reason it's just like not clicking in my head. I mean, I I get it that you're just searching stuff, but there was an episode where you, uh, you had like multiple calls about the same incident. And you know, the question that I wrote down is if they're like tagged by a, a case number or something, but it, it sounds like that wouldn't be the case. You'd, just find an incident and then by chance you just happened to luck into multiple calls about it
1: yeah sometimes like that there are other times that uh, it's one of the things i forgot to mention a little while ago sometimes a police department will put out a press release regarding something just kind of a blanket type thing for all the press and Mm -hmm. they'll release i won't say every detail about it but they'll release multiple 911 calls and you know maybe a copy of the police report about it it's different for each agency and you know of course you know anybody that's out there you have a town you have an agency there sometimes you have multiple agencies in a bigger city so it's different for each one
0: yeah all right so with you know 10 to 20 30 hours per episode at least to to make it are you batching episodes at all like do you have any in the can or is it
1: I have to do this this week because I need to have an episode out next week. Yeah, most of the times I don't have an episode uh, in the can waiting to go. I've done it before and I, I like the thought of that, but it's just, it's kind of hard to keep up and do more than one episode in a week. Yeah. Every single time I have more than a couple extra days off, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get an, ep- an extra episode done and I'll take a week off or whatever. But that never happens. <laughs> There's always something else going <laughs> yeah. on. That I need to get up Vacations upon. actually become vacations. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes. Not, not usually, though. <laughs>
0: you, I mean, your podcast has been going for, what, two years now? Two and a half years? Something like that?
1: Actually, almost three years. Uh, I think my. Almost three years. Okay. I think my original release date was like December 20th of 2019.
0: And you say you're still having fun making it. How do you stay motivated to continue making new episodes? Is it. What's what's driving you to keep making your podcast?
1: Well, there's a a few things. Uh, I mean, I do enjoy doing it in the first place. For the most part, all my reviews have been really good. Everybody seems to like it. Plus, I'm now starting to make a little bit of money from it, not a ton. Uh, One of my motivations, I guess, now is that because I like doing this and I can kind of see maybe fingers crossed in a couple of years maybe if the growth keep, continues to go like it is that maybe I can quit my other job and do the podcast full time and yeah that's a, a good motivator for me.
0: So would that be the goal like you'd you'd like to take it full time if you could?
1: Oh, I mean if, if we want to be uh, frank here I I'd, I'd love to be one of these uh, super podcasters and make you know, 100 million dollars that'd be great but no <laughs> yeah. that's that's not going to I don't see that happening but doing it right now it, it keeps me so busy that I don't have enough time to do a lot of other stuff. And I'd love to be able to continue doing the podcast by itself and then open up some free time past that to do all kinds of other stuff. Not to mention, I think that if I had the extra time like that, that I could go even deeper in the research with a podcast. Cause you know, some of the other true crime podcasts, they will really dig deep into. Every aspect of the the crime that happened, and I don't really do that. I'll have you know, two or three different incidents on my show. They're more of a quick hit type thing. You said that people seem
0: to be liking it and and getting good reviews. And I just looked up your reviews. I mean, you got almost five stars on Apple, two hundred and forty nine ratings, which is seems like a ton to me for two and a half years. I think I have five. And I've been going for almost a year. So uh if, if anybody's listening and they like this podcast, please go leave a rating and review. How big is your podcast? Like how many listens are you are you getting for, for each episode?
1: Well, uh, I'll touch on your whole ratings thing here before I get into that. That's actually a very good thing. There for a long time I was not saying give me a, a five star rating and, you know, leave a review. Yeah. I wasn't doing that at all until I don't know, maybe four or five months ago, I started mentioning that on on the show. At that time, I think I might have had 120, 130. Um, So, I mean, I I literally went for, you know, two years or so, two and a half years with about 120, 130, somewhere around there. I think I'd I'd have to look back. But since I've started mentioning that, I've seen growth with that almost every single week. I mean, this past week I went from – I think 282 to no, I'm sorry, it was no 284 to 292 in the course of a week. So that actually does help. So anybody out there listening that's doing that, please, yes, mention that at the end of your show, and that will help out with the reviews. Um, as far as the the size of my show, it's not where I want it to be at yet, but it's uh, I see I've seen really good growth as far as a standard 30 day download cycle. Each episode mm-hmm. will get maybe. Between five and seven thousand downloads, something like that. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, better than from what I've seen most podcasts. That, um, yeah. I'm not trying to compare it all, but uh, I hate to really say this. I'll see on the different podcast groups or something like that. The people that are saying, uh, I saw one guy. I mean, I love that he has the passion to do this. He's just had a thousand episodes. I think he's done. And I can't remember exactly. I think he said he might get 150 downloads per episode.
0: A thousand episodes?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This was a few months ago, but I see people all the time saying they've been doing it for, you know, years and they're getting, you know, around the same numbers or even less. I think I saw, I was at one of the Nashville podcast meetups that we have and I was talking with someone there and, but she said she's been doing like a healthcare type podcast for, I think she said like nearly two years And she had like 2,000 downloads total during that time. And, you know, I wasn't trying to be boastful or anything like that. She asked me (laughs) how many I had, and I was like, well, today I had like 3,500 today. So, (laughs) yeah, but I'm doing, well, it depends on the week. Sometimes it it really fluctuates anywhere from, I'd say, 12 to 20,000 downloads per week. And overall, I'm probably averaging around 60 to 75,000 downloads a month. Yeah, well, when you
0: when you factor in the uh, the back catalog, people going back and listening to previous episodes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that that helps a lot. Yeah, you're
0: getting great numbers as far as I'm concerned. You're hoping to you know someday or make this your your full time job. How are you monetizing the podcast? I know you have ads that run pre roll and and post roll. Are those dynamic?
1: Yeah, they're dynamic ads. Um, I am doing. I've actually just now recently started doing mid roll stuff. But that was, you know, the dynamic ads. That's all I've been doing so far. And then I've got a you know small Patreon that helps out as well. Nice. And um, it's like anything past that. The, you know, I've got a merch site that, yeah, that, that helps just barely. And uh, on my website, this is something that if you, you may have heard on other podcasts, the whole buy me a coffee yep. uh, type thing. I actually have on my website, buy me a beer. And I've had a few donations through that, which is, you know, always helpful. Yeah. But nice. um, here recently, uh, I'm my host now is Spreaker. And I've just now been offered um, because I've kind of met a threshold, I guess, of their minimum requirements. And uh, they're going to start offering some host red ad possibilities in there too. So, you know, that should bump up the CPM just a little bit. And
0: yeah, I've heard that those do, do better.
1: Yeah the dynamically inserted ads, they, or they don't pay as much because I mean, obviously you're not doing anything except for authorizing them. Yep. You're actually putting effort into to making the other one. So they, they do pay quite a bit more.
0: How do you think you are getting those, those kinds of download numbers to your podcast? Is it all word of mouth or do you have some marketing things that you're doing? How are you, how are you growing the podcast?
1: Uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, a little bit of everything really, um, as far as what I do week by week, uh, I've got you know social media. I've got a Facebook page, and then I've got a Facebook discussion group that I've got now. Probably I don't know about twelve hundred people in. So we go in there and discuss the episodes, and can do that. I'll post on Instagram. I've um, each week I will post in different groups on Facebook. Same thing with Twitter, um, and I, I do a little bit with TikTok as well. But i have not seen a ton of you know, downloads on that or views, I guess they say it there. The reason I got on there in the first place is I heard on a different show that someone, I I can't remember what the name of the show was, but they posted something that went kind of viral on that. And Mm -hmm. their podcast download numbers went from like 3,000 in a month to like 60,000. Wow. So it, it really jumped up. So, you know, I'm just, I guess there's a piece of me that's wanting that viral jump there. Yeah. I mean, if you could just to see if it works. If you can strike gold, you know once or twice. Some of the, I mean, I'm
0: sure most of those people are not staying around for the long term, but some of them will.
1: Oh yeah, and that's that's the thing. Uh, you know, I, I do like m- my podcast. Is I guess is a good way to put it. Um, I think that people like my podcast. It's just like any product. At all, you can have the best product the world has ever seen. If no one actually sees it or knows about it, they won't buy it. So you have to get the, your product in front of every, as many people as you can.
0: Do you have any kind of like social media strategy that you're following? Anything intentional that you're doing? Or are you just you know,
1: going to throw something up when I think about it? No, I'm, generally, I'll release an episode. And the next day or, or day after that, I will make different artwork for the episode. And I will post that in different places. Like I said, in Facebook itself, in different groups. Yep. Some of them, like I'm, I'm in a couple of true crime groups. I'll, I'll do some artwork in there and tell a little bit about my episode. Same thing with uh, Instagram, and I'll try to use an app called Headliner to make an audiogram to do on uh, TikTok as well. Heard of that?
0: I haven't actually gotten in and, and used Headliner yet, but I've heard that it, uh, you know, can make
1: some cool stuff. And it, is that free or free, free to a certain point, right? There is a free version of it that I think you can do, like, I think it's like eight or nine videos a month, something like that. And uh, they have uh, paid versions as well that get you unlimited. And I think you can get, I think I saw somewhere that if you do their pro version, which is, I can't remember, like 30 bucks a month or something like that, that you can actually go through and upload your entire back catalog. It'll make audiograms in your full episodes and upload the whole thing to YouTube, which would solve a problem that I've had I've, I've been wanting to move my show over to YouTube too but I was like there's it would take so long to do every one of my episodes like that yeah
0: yeah I mean YouTube is is a whole different beast I, I'm sure that it helps to have your stuff up on YouTube just because it's another touch point people can find it and you know find you through it but I don't know how well podcasts do on YouTube if there's no video component to them like do people do people use YouTube as their podcast app?
1: I, I think they, for some parts, I think they do. Yeah. Um, I was chatting with, um, I have to think back now. It was another, uh, podcast. Oh, she started as just an audio podcast, then went to YouTube and
0: mm-hmm.
1: hers is not a, like it's, it's not a static image. I don't think that any of any podcast that has like a static image does very well there, but she ended up moving to where she kind of integrates pictures. She's, Okay. Not on the actual show herself as far as her video, like a video of herself, but she takes say videos of, you know, like news releases or just something kind of pertinent to the episode. And it's not like a real fast paced thing. Once every two or three minutes, the image will change. And the last I looked, I think she had 25 or 30,000 subscribers on that. And she's, wow. you know, grew that much quicker than I have with my audio only podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, twenty 25- five. 30,000 subscribers on YouTube is, is definitely not nothing.
1: Oh, yeah. it's If nothing else, it's a good starting point. And granted, they're, the way they make money is a lot different than with podcasts. I think with the, right. like, the audio only, I think that if you had twenty five to 30,000 subscribers on an audio only podcast, you would have a much better you know foothold to get sponsors and things like that who will pay a lot more. Uh, as far as CPM goes, than what you get on YouTube, which is, I think, really hardly anything.
0: Yeah, I think if you're if you're trying to find a ratio between podcast downloads to YouTube views, I think that one podcast download has got to be worth like 100 YouTube views or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe even more than that. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm sure that's not an exact ratio. Yeah. A thousand YouTube views. I, who knows? All right. So when you're making your podcast, like what does a typical production cycle look like for you? So do you you said sometimes you have an idea and you go out looking for 911 calls or sometimes you find a call and then you build an episode around it? What does that whole process sort of look like? Are you writing out notes or speaking off the cuff when you're recording your narration? Like how do you how do you handle all that?
1: Yeah, from start to finish, I will like just today, for instance, I released my episode. Actually, I, I made a mistake. Usually <laughs> last night when I usually finish recording and I get all the editing done and I know it's finished, I will go ahead and publish the episode. And last night, I guess I was tired or something. I forgot to pu- publish it last night. So this morning I'll wake up from my job at a little bit after 4 a.m. And I, you know, one of my first things I do after releasing is I'll see how many downloads uh, I've gotten overnight and zero downloads. It wasn't zero, but <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting to see something around 1,500 to 2,000, and I think it said 400, and I was like, oh, there's something wrong. There's something really wrong, and I just forgot to publish the episode. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, did that yesterday. I did my artwork today, but I got real busy at work, um, so I wasn't able to really post it everywhere. But generally, a couple days after I've done the artwork and the episode release, I'll start looking for the next episode with the 911 calls and I'll start looking. It's I kind of do the same thing I will do in, in dispatch. There's kind of a priority system for me. If there's something new and like a kind of a hot topic type thing, I'll go and try to jump on that first and um, see if I can craft an episode for, with that. And if not, I'll go back and and search. I'll think, Oh, well it might be a good time to do a, Let's say a carjacking episode, or a police shooting, or a, you know, a, a really kind of gruesome murder, or something like that—that mm-hmm. that type thing—and I'll look for calls that fit in those criteria. And once I get that, I'll start researching the calls and what is involved with it, the length of the call. I, most of the time, I don't edit the the call down to as, as far as making it shorter. I want people to feel like they're sitting in the dispatcher's chair and sitting there with the person while yep. all this is going on. One of the kind of more saddening, I guess, is a good way to put it, uh, episodes I did was this woman who, she was an elderly woman. She couldn't leave her house while it was on fire, and she ended up dying. And the dispatcher was on the phone listening as she died. Jeez. And it was a very long phone call. I I can't recall exactly. I'm wanting to, It was probably over 20 minutes now I'm thinking about it. So I played the entire thing start to finish because I wanted the listeners to feel like they were there, that they were the dispatcher. They are going through exactly the same thing that this dispatcher was doing. So That's intense. Yeah, it it, it really was. There's a, been a few calls like that that I've played on the show with longer audio. So so I'll look for that. I'll look for the time and everything that will be in there. Um, I don't necessarily want a very short 911 call because, um, I want to have something a little bit more developed than that. But when I actually sit down after I've got my research and everything done, I will do a kind of a semi scripted type episode. So when, when I'm going through, I will think to myself, okay, how's my intro going to go? Um, what kind of music I'm going to use for the intro? And then I'll just start writing out some stuff and I'll, I'll do It's, it's more like an outline that I'll, I'll go do. I do have word for word down there, but I'll on the fly change something. Yep. So it is scripted, but it sounds very conversational. Just like I'm talking to you right now, I'll try to do it that way. And, you know, I'll start intertwining all the 911 calls and my own voice telling about the details about the call. And like I said, I'll seek out some sort of a music for the intro and, I'll do all that, and then generally at the end of the episode, I'll do maybe a promo or trailer swap with another podcast, and I'll air that, and then I'll drop all my links for social media and Patreon, things like that, and that kind of wraps it up, and then I'll start the editing, which I kind of edit on the fly, too, because it's just me doing the, the show. Yeah. It's a little bit easier if I am on the show and I mess something up. I can just stop it right there and re record it and just go that way.
0: So what does editing look like for you then? What are you typically doing?
1: Uh, like I said, most of my editing is done on the fly. So if um, I'm going through and I mess up a, a word, or if I don't feel like it really sounded that good, I'll just re-record it right there and do it that way. Once I get everything done, I'll have to move the, the elements around some, I'll have to put the one call in the right place. I'll have to Here recently, instead of just having the intro music just kind of playing in the background, I've tried to make certain pointed vocals in different places that kind of align with the music correctly. Yep. Very
0: NPR there.
1: Yeah. Trying to. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've been toying with having uh, some background music playing through certain segments of, you know, just me talking about the case as well. I haven't quite got there yet, but doing that. And then I'll do a few edits on the, the actual. Audio of it, if it's a poor recording, I'll try to use a compressor setting to bump it up a little bit and make it more aligned with what my vocals are. Same thing with my vocals; I like everything to be really uniform and yeah, not really dynamic, which goes against my own audio file, you know, needs and wants. Uh, typically, with audio file recording, you want all the dynamics, but if I'm listening to a podcast, I can't stand that Really, more than anything having to turn uh, my volume up and down back and forth when little things happen. I want it to be set at a volume and yes. That's it. Yeah, I think
0: dynamics are great if if it's music. Yeah. And you're trying to like, you know, build up a swell or something and, and get somebody's emotions going with a piece of music and and you come in with the crash and all that. But yeah, if I'm listening to a podcast and it's, you know, you're talking at one level, and then you're playing a clip from something, and it's you know twenty decibels quieter. Or, and then you got to come back to you, like messing with that volume knob. Like I'm I'm not gonna listen to that.
1: Yeah, and so you know I hate to say this. There's uh, I've I've listened to other shows, the ones that really sound horrible. Like you, you can tell that they've got one microphone recording three or four people, and it's sitting yeah in the middle of a kitchen table with bare walls and uh you know bare floor everything's really echoing. and everybody sounds like they're sitting 20 feet away from the microphone yeah i'll i'll turn it off i can't i don't i don't care if you're, you're telling me where a million dollars is hidden or you know <laughs> it, the location of the holy grail i'm not going to listen to it you know it's difficult to get extremely good audio but it's not hard to get decent audio yeah,
0: and I, I would 100% agree with that. It is not very difficult to get good podcast audio. You know, it's just like anything else. You get, you can get to 85% of something really fairly easily. Yeah, but that last 15 to 10 to 15% is where things get really, really challenging and really expensive. But it's it's kind of just not necessary for a podcast.
1: I try to make mine as like I said, aside from dynamics, as audio file quality as I can. Now, I don't yeah. record in, you know, a lot of, I see a lot of people say, oh, you have to record in Wave," and, you know, sometimes you'll up upload it to MP3 and, you know, because there's a huge difference. Really, there's not. As long as you're doing 320 or above on the, the MP3, you know, I, I know if any. Kilobits per second. Yeah, exactly. If uh, I know that there'll be some audio files that might listen at some point and say, no, you're wrong on that. I'm talking about the average person that's listening on, you know, uh, AirPods or in their car on the way to work. They're not going to hear that difference. The other thing with that, too, is like
0: you upload your file to your host and there is absolutely no guarantee that when that host sends that file out to Spotify or Apple or Google Music or
1: or wherever that they're not compressing it. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were. I mean, they, they probably are in some point.
0: Yeah, the file that somebody receives to listen to is is likely not going to be the highest quality lossless file that exists. Like they're trying to save their bandwidth too. So
1: Exactly. So if they're streaming it, it's the same thing. They're they're probably dialing it down a notch. So if you're you know, if you're listening on some $100,000 speakers, which they do exist and they actually have some that are way more expensive than that even. Yeah, you may may hear a little bit of a difference if you go from mp3 to wave but for the 99.9 percent of us out there that are not listening to extremely high-end audio gear it's not going to make that much of a difference if it if at all
0: yeah so you have as far as gear goes i mean you have the the sennheiser 6xx headphones you said you have a number of other headphones too what, what kind of microphone are you using? What's your mixer? What what's You're using Audacity to record. I think you said that. Yeah. What, what's
1: the whole signal chain looking like right now? So, believe it or not, this is something that's going to, uh, it might actually shock a lot of people because everybody says, oh, the microphone, everything sounds so good and everything. And that's, you know, it may be the case. I don't know, but. My microphone is a very, very cheap microphone. It's incredibly cheap. Um, I've got a, like in my room I've got right now, I've got three of them set up. And it is a Zingyu. It's the BM800. Oh, yeah. Zingyu. Yeah. And you can get these. When I started researching into which microphones to get, I was like, I want to find something that's like a really good bang for the buck and i saw a video on youtube that had this microphone compared with a twelve thousand dollar uh what is it newman or neumann however you say it i don't know like a u47 maybe yeah i I can't recall it's it's the same uh, microphone they use to record the song we are the world and it's a very expensive microphone like i said it's like twelve thousand dollars for it and they did a side-by-side comparison on it and for your normal vocal range when you're not screaming or anything like that, it's almost identical. So they're both uh, compressor mi- or condenser mics. Condensers. Uh, yeah. And so they do pick up absolutely everything. And I think that's one of the things that really helps with this is the fact that it does pick up everything. So I got the microphone. It's got a pop filter. It's got the um, the cover over the microphone, shock mount, the boom arm, the whole setup for one of these is like 30 bucks and you know, you can buy, I think the microphones, if you find those by themselves on eBay for like, I'm I'm not joking, like five to $8 maybe for the actual microphone itself.
0: That seriously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No joke. I mean, you
0: said cheap and I'm thinking like 30, 40 bucks for the microphone. You're saying $5 for that
1: microphone. Yeah. Like seriously, the entire setup on Amazon, like I said, with the, the pop filter, the the cover for the microphone, shock mount, boom arm, all of those, all together, 30 bucks.
0: That's insane.
1: Yeah. So now they like I said, they are a condenser style microphone. A lot of people won't like that because they do pick up everything. Uh they are XLR and they do require phantom power. So that's one of the reasons I got the mix. Well I got a mixer initially because it was me and someone else. I was like I can either do um, a, what do they call it? The, um, I think focus, right. Makes the scarlet. Yeah. Scarlet. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to, the audio interface, whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah. So they've, uh, they've got those and I was like, okay, I can buy one of those or I can get a mixer and have more inputs. And actually I looked at it and I was like, okay. And it has, EQ and you can mess with your your gain and everything and it's like the same price sometimes even cheaper so i was like I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get a mixer so i started with one that was a i think like a four channel mixer and it had two xlr inputs and then i was like okay we're starting to you know maybe have some more guests on every once in a while and i did and i was like oh, okay i need to have more microphones and more inputs so i got a I think this is actually a 12 channel and it has four xlr inputs to it so I've got a three mic setup going right now and I can expand it to, I've got a couple other little lavalier mics and I can expand up to, I guess, 12 microphones if I wanted to.
0: I, I, I'm still like shocked at the the price of the Zingyu microphone. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I will send you links.
1: I found it on Amazon.
0: So I'll have a link in the show notes if anybody
1: wants to. Yeah. I'll send you a link and I'll, uh, and I'll send you a link to the the video I was talking about too because it's it's pretty insane like i at first I was like there's no way no way at all that you can equal that i mean but there there are differences yeah. if you if you have a, a yeah. even with well, this, it has to be right yeah if you if you get loud you can clip you know it's the the problem with this microphone is it has a very small capsule in it so if it gets really too loud or uh, hits kind of at a resonant frequency you'll get some some noise from it so, but it, just very normal talking noise range, it sounds really good.
0: All right. So, a couple of quick questions. Then, what what mixer are you using now? I know you upgraded it. I don't know if I heard the name of it.
1: Yeah, I'm using the uh, Behringer. It's um, give me a quick second. I'll look at it here to tell you the model number on it. It is the Behringer Q1202 USB.
0: Okay. And then you're using a condenser microphone, which is working, obviously, for you. You know, your podcast sounds great. Typically, most people advise against condenser microphones because of, of echo and reverb and things in the room. They're super sensitive. So do you have your room treated at all? Do you have, like, sound boards up, or, or is there just a lot of fluffy furniture in there absorbing sound? How are you
1: handling that, that echo? Initially, I did not have anything in here, but since um, I started getting a little bit more into it, I've done a few things. And there are a lot of things you can do on your own that's pretty cheap. Yeah. And this is where my kind of audiophile thing comes in. I'm not exactly sure which has made the biggest bit of difference. I've got a few acoustic panels that I've made. Um, If you were to go out to a company and buy those, they're pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, I'm wanting to say most places charge, I don't know, about $100, $150 a panel. And truth be told, if you have... Just a very, very minimal amount of woodworking. I'm, I'm talking about just cutting a couple boards. And even, I think if you do the measurements and everything, you can go to Home Depot and tell them to cut the boards for you.
0: Yeah, they'll cut them for you.
1: So you just essentially make a frame and uh, you buy the, um, it's a, a type of insulation from them. You buy that from them. Rock wool, maybe? Is that what it's called? Yeah, actually, the, yeah, um, you can do that. Or there's one that they make called Safe and Sound. Okay. that's a little bit cheaper. It's actually quite a bit cheaper. It's a little bit more easy to find too. It, the audio quality is not as good, but it's nearly as good. Uh, and then you just find something like a breathable material to put over the top of it. and I made a few of those. I've got uh, really heavy blackout curtains on the, the window in this room and uh, on the the actual door itself. I've got another – I've tripped another heavy blackout curtain over top of it. Really, if you're looking on the recording end of it, if you can minimize any gaps at all. Yeah. You know, if there's a, a gap underneath your door, stuff a towel under it, and it'll make the, the noise level of the room go down just a little bit. Just any little thing like that. I've even got – because I was having a little bit of trouble with uh, noise from the from outside the window – I actually got some uh, moving blanket and I Velcroed it to the window on the the frame of the window to, to give an extra layer of, I guess, noise reduction to the outside. And that's helped out pretty good, too. Yeah, there's a lot that you can do
0: to kind of minimize the noise in your room. And even if you have a dynamic microphone, I would highly recommend doing something like I moved into a a new house a couple months ago, and I'm in a, a new room from when I started this podcast, obviously, and I haven't been able to do any room treatment stuff yet. And it's it's starting to drive me a little bit crazy because there's just a, a little bit of echo that I can pick up. I don't know if anybody else can pick it up, but I can pick it up. But, you know, new house and uh, there's always other projects that take precedent. But yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely, you know, do something. I am planning on trying to build some of those sound panels like you were talking about, though. That's that's definitely on the list of things that I want to do. I can get a couple of them up in here that'll help.
1: There are dozens of videos up on YouTube on how to do it step by step. It's really easy and it's uh, makes it a lot cheaper too. Um, like I said, 100 to 150, I think maybe even $200 a panel anywhere else. And you could get a set of. I'm trying to think how, how much I paid. I've only did three of them. I've literally got the rest of the equipment to make probably at least three or four more of them yeah. and sitting here in the room with me. Uh, but I think the total cost for all of it was maybe a hundred dollars. Yeah. They're not too expensive. I get some no. two by fours and like three bucks, two by four. And if you wanted to go a little bit nerdy and geeky level of it, there's a book that I've got. And I actually did this for my audio file stuff, um, not recording, but it does have a lot on there a uh, book called The Master Handbook of Acoustics. It is a extremely, extremely good book. It, it has a lot of good tips in it. Some of it goes way off the deep end, like how to really make a good recording studio, top to bottom, the correct way to double layer your drywall and, and yeah. suspend all the, using resilient channels, how to do those to where you actually have floating, essentially, walls and stuff like that. That way the... It's gonna minimize any vibrations that might actually create extra uh, extra echo or, jeez, yeah, just tons of stuff like that. You can get real expensive, but yeah, kind of like you were saying before, you can get eighty five percent of the level there for very little money.
0: Yeah, I might pick that book up though, because I'm I'm starting with kind of a blank slate in here, so it's just it's just kind of bare walls and some doors, so. Um, if there's any ideas in there that might help me kind of plan things out, where things should go a little bit better, that that might be worth taking a look
1: at. Yeah. It's, it's not an expensive book. It's very thorough. It's, it's, I mean, seriously, like a textbook. So it's really, really, really boring, but it's, I think it's cool. All
0: right, Brandon, I want to ask you, what is one of the most important lessons that you have learned about podcasting since you started making your podcast?
1: I'd probably say the biggest thing is kind of like I was saying before with uh, something else. Uh, I I see people online posting all the time, be consistent with your uh, podcast, make it a a good product, have a good release schedule. Yes. Do all that. But when these people are saying that they're saying to, you know, to do that, to continue growth and things like that. And to a degree, yes, that may be the case. But you can't only rely on that. As I was saying before, you can have the best podcast the world has ever heard. I mean, literally every episode making people laugh, bringing them to tears, doing all that. If no one knows about it, they're not going to listen. So you have to figure out ways to, you know, get people to listen to, to grow the podcast, you know, ask people every episode to share it with a friend or a neighbor or family member or something like that. Just anything you do, promote it. Every way you can, that's the the biggest and the most difficult thing with podcasting, I think. And uh, th- actually the most important too. If you're doing it as a hobby and you're just wanting to get your voice out there, cool. That's not a problem at all. If you're wanting to see some money out of it at some point or see a good following or just build a community, you have to do that. You have to actually build the community.
0: And then as we are starting to wrap up, that that's excellent advice, by the way marketing, you know, making sure that people are listening to the thing that you're putting so much effort into producing definitely should be something that you should be paying attention to. But as we're, as we're starting to wrap up here, what is something that you thought I would ask you that I did not ask you?
1: Oh, hell, I don't know that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair Uh, enough. Yeah. I have no idea. Um, I actually, uh, you know, just some of the questions in general, like they, uh, you know, really, really good questions, and I love that it's, uh, you know, listening to a couple of your episodes in the past, uh, I, I love the format of the show. I, I, I wish that there was something similar to this when I started out because I think it would have helped me out a lot. No, I, I don't think that there's anything else. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Where can people find you? Where do you want to send people? Uh, you can find me at my website, musiccity com or um, really uh, Linktree. Uh, I do a link tree, and it's the same thing, Music City 911. That way you can go and find just you know whatever pl- uh, p- podcast platform that you're listening on. Uh, you can go through there, and I've actually got that link through my website as well. So the best place is probably just go to my website, musiccity911.com. Are your uh, social medias and stuff linked to from the website as well? Uh, they are. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, Patreon, just really, really all the kind of basics. I'm, I'm on all those. Awesome. Well, thank you so much
0: for coming on and, and talking to me about, you know, what you do for a living. And then also obviously the podcast that you make, it's, it's pretty intense stuff. I don't personally, I don't know how you do it. I'm super excited or super grateful, I guess, that there are people like you that do do that. Cause it's obviously something that we need. So, you know, thank you for, for dealing with all of that craziness. Thanks for sharing your podcast with
1: me. Oh, yeah, no problem at all. I appreciate you having me on the show, too.
0: That was my conversation with Brandon Hall, 911 dispatcher and host of the podcast Music City 911, which can be found on all of the major podcast networks. Am I the only one that is super impressed by what Brandon does? I I think it's incredible. You can find him online at musiccity911.com. My name is Chris Cookley, and you can find me at whomakesapodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be an enormous help if you shared it with your friends or left a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you host a podcast and would like to be my next guest on Who Makes a Podcast, let me know. Go to whomakesapodcast.com slash guest and tell me about your show. This is Who Makes a Podcast. I'll be back next time with another conversation with another incredible podcast host. Thanks for listening.